using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to Hefty Ultra Strong Trash Bags, always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty Ultra Strong with Arm and Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Influence Change at Work show for Tuesday, March 22nd, 2016. I'm your host, Heather Stagel, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia on Blog Talk Radio. This, is, this show is one of the many ways I help equip individuals and teams to influence change at Enclaria. Today, my guest is Sean Murphy, who is here to discuss building an optimistic workplace. He's joining us bright and early from California. Sean Murphy is CEO of Switch and Shift, a culture change practitioner, workshop facilitator, and speaker. He was handpicked to be part of IBM's elite New Way to Work Futurist group. He has an MBA from Drexel University and a Bachelor's in Organizational Behavior from the University of San Francisco. Sean's debut book, The Optimistic Workplace, Creating an Environment that Energizes Everyone, is out now. You can also read Sean's weekly column, Positive Business, on Inc.com. Sean, welcome to the show. Good morning. I thought I'd throw in there a little bit of sound effects for, uh, for just for kicks. I don't know if you heard that, but as soon as you started, as soon as you said Not my name. Not too much. Okay, good. <laughs> Sorry about that. I thought I got rid of no, all the No, that's okay. <laughs> so let's talk about optimistic workplaces. Um, you know, what does it mean for a workplace to be optimistic? Let's start there. Yeah. So there's a couple of uh, a couple of angles to this. So the first one is, uh, I define the optimistic workplace as uh, the is is the way that it feels to work somewhere, which is a dimension of climate, which is different than culture. Culture is is how things get done. It's the underlying assumptions and the behaviors that um, are indicative of the culture. Climate is how it feels somewhere, and optimism is I define it as it's 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 the hope that employees have that good things are gonna come from their hard work. Uh, it, there's also a, a practice of looking at the things that are possible and what's right within an organization. And when these are present, then we have this optimism that people start to experience in the work environment. Now, the second piece to this is when I actually found, uh, when I did all my interviews, I did almost, 200 interviews uh, for the book, the, the preponderance of people um, challenged the notion that I had, which was in optimistic workplaces, it's a people first mentality. Mm-hmm. And while people are very key, what, what came out from my, my research was that it was purpose that was really the, the first domino, if you will, that helps shape meaningful work and the meaningful work helps attract and build extraordinary people. And then the extraordinary people advance meaningful work and help support the purpose and advance the purpose. And it's more of this kind of dynamic interplay of these three elements that are key 
to the, what I call the origins of optimism. Okay, can you talk about those a little bit more? Sure, absolutely. Purpose and meaningful work. Yeah, so the, on the purpose side, what what was surprising to me was how influential purpose was in these optimistic workplaces. Um, and purpose, actually, there's two there's two two dimensions to it. So there's the organizational team purpose and also the employee's purpose. And in these optimistic environments, there's a discipline around teams understanding how what they do or why what they do, excuse me, why what they do is so important. But they go deeper than that in these type of workplaces. They also spend the time helping their employees uh, self-actualize. They help their, their employees grow and develop. Uh, one company, Luck Companies, which is one of the companies that's in the book, they go as far as to say that their, their responsibility is to unleash human potential. And so that is, those are really key pieces you know, organizational and uh, team purpose, and then the individual's purpose. Meaningful okay. work. Yeah, go ahead. Do you, do you want me to talk about meaningful work? Yes, please go ahead. Uh, so meaningful work is there's there it's not as simple as a leader saying, "I want work to be meaningful for you." What it really boils down to is having a conversation to learn what does meaningful work look like for an employee. And then it's a leader's responsibility to be able to, to then help facilitate that work being meaningful. And I'll give you an example. So one of the employees that I spoke with, uh, his name was Kelly Morris and Kelly was or is still a, a mechanic at Luck Companies. Kelly, uh, you know, on, on the one surface, you might say, how meaningful can a mechanic's work be? You know, they're getting dirty, they're getting greasy. Maybe that's meaningful for some people. There's more to it though, however, for Kelly, what became meaningful to him was how his personal life improved as a result of what the company calls values-based leadership. It really helps him better align what his values are with his actions. And that really became noticeable to his family, to his friends, and they all wanted some of this greatness, this goodness that Kelly was experiencing as a result of finding meaning in his work that came from him growing as a human being. Um, now, I say these things, and for some people out there, they might be thinking, well, gosh, you know, that's not what business is about. Business is about, you know, producing some kind of value for uh, its customers. And, and that's right, right? That, that element of business does not go away. And in fact, in optimistic environments, there's a huge uh, focus on the business being successful. It's an and statement, though, and, and in these environments, they help employees do what they need to do to be their best self and do their best work. And in part, that's where meaningful work comes into play. 
Okay, so let's tie let's make this link here. So why is optimism why is optimism so important at work? Yeah, so it's really a a way to be able to help address employee morale issues. It's a way to address the engagement conundrum that we seem to be having in the world as it relates to work. Um, and it's important because, you know, we really want to be able to create not just good results, but extraordinary results, superior results, you know, from a competitive advantage for an organization. You know, you can only iterate on your product and services so much, but where you really have untapped potential or uh, unlimited potential is in your human capital or in your people who, you know, really they can grow and become, uh, you know, your greatest, uh, I almost said resource and asset, and I hate referring to people as resources and assets, but they become your greatest (laughs) (laughs) advantage to being able to, you know, ultimately deliver that that value for, uh, for customers but you've got to create an environment for people to be able to do that and thrive in. And that's where workplace optimism comes in. Okay. So would you say that optimism is more of a means or is it the end result that you're trying to achieve? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, you had, you had sent that question to me in advance and I was kind of pondering it and it is a philosophical element to it. And ultimately where I landed, however, is that optimism is really an outcome from the work that the intentional work that a leader does to be able to create the conditions for people to do great work. Okay. And then that enables the outcomes of the business being successful and you got people it. wanting to be there. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So then, you know, how can someone go about building an optimistic workplace? Especially, you know, the show is geared towards people who are not necessarily in charge. They're working within organizations and trying to get something done. So let's um, mm-hmm. make it practical for them. Like, mm-hmm. How can they go about building an optimistic workplace? Yeah, the, so I actually, after I wrote the book, which I, I'm kind of kicking myself, but, you know, there it is. After I, I wrote the book, <laughs> I went back and looked at all the data and uh, reviewed the stories and found that there are what I call six optimism building practices. And these aren't in the book, um, but what they are, are exactly what you're asking for, that practical activity that a leader can do. And when I say leader, I don't mean, you know, the formal leader, what we might call the manager, uh, another word that I don't like. Um, So the first one, The first one is create clarity. Uh, And what I mean by that is if you're really going to want optimism to emerge, people need to know what is important in the organization. And when I say important, I'm talking about what are the goals and what are the priorities of work? I can't begin to tell you how often, and I bet you you see this too in your work, Heather, you go into an organization and people are like on this treadmill or this hamster wheel just running from meeting to meeting to meeting mm-hmm. to meeting. And in the, con- in the as a consequence, there is a lack of clarity around what is our top priority because there's no time to think about it because they're in meetings all the time. Right. So 
in these optimistic work environments, when clarity is 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 so understood, there's it's easier for the team, it's easier for employees to prioritize, you know, is that meeting important because is it moving the ball down the field as it relates to goal number one? So create clarity, which is made up of making sure not only individual goals are understood, but team goals are understood. And more often than not, we see individual goals, not enough team goals. You know, mm -hmm. the work priority uh, understood, our expectations uh, communicated and also updated based on the employee perspective. And then also is there a clear feed, a feedback loop to help people understand how they're doing and if they're not doing well, that they know how to, to adjust. So create clarity out of all of these optimism building practices is one of the most important uh, uh, of the six. And having yeah. named my business and Claria, I, I also agree that clarity is very important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's just so frustrating. I feel so frustrated for employees when I go into an organization who just are so distressed and so fatigued because all they're doing is just basically running on this hamster wheel. And, you know, it robs any enjoyment and fulfillment from work because, you know in the back of your mind all this work is piling up and you've got to figure out somewhere to get it done there's just an, a lack of clarity in these organizations mm -hmm. and, and optimism cannot come through without clarity it's just it's right. just not possible um, okay so what are the other five yeah practices uh, that you re would recommend so one is uh, 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 magnify meaning. So we talked a little bit about meaningful work already. So, you know, making sure that you understand what meaning looks like for employees. And um, there are uh, a couple dimensions to that. There's uh, social meaning and work meaning. You know, meaning comes in many different flavors. And as a leader, you have the option of the opportunity to be able to help employees experience meaning, you know, socially. And what I mean by that is, you know, do they actually have meaningful relationships with their, with their colleagues? And of course, with the meaningful work itself. Mm -hmm. uh, promote positive identity. So this is probably one, this is the third one, and this is probably one that might sound a little woo-woo to people. And really all we're talking about here is, you know, we work is a part of our identity. And to deny that I think is a little bit old school for a lot of for a lot of leaders. We get a lot of personal satisfaction from work and, and in some cases when you create meaningful work. So it shapes our identity. So we want to be able to help uh, a person have a positive identity. And the way you can do that is spend time with your employees helping them identify their personal values. You know, spend time learning what your employees' strengths are. And what I mean by strengths, it's not what are they good at, you know, the competency, but it's what energizes them, what work that they do when they look at the clock, go, oh, my gosh, I just spent three hours on this, <laughs> and this was great, right? Yeah. So identify personal values, identify their strengths, and then really help them 
understand what their purpose is. Um, <clears throat> I like to give out some very some tools. So I'm going to share a couple of tools to help with a couple of these things. So if you're not in a, a decision making role and you want to be able to identify your personal values, or maybe you're a project manager and you're like, I really need my team to come together. Um, you can, there are a couple of free resources out there to help you identify your purpose and one to help identify your values. So if you Google uh, Igniter by Luck Companies, uh, you'll find that there's a free online and an app that will help you identify your personal values. That's if Igniter? Really, Igniter, uh-huh. Okay. Yep. Now, if you really want to understand your purpose type, uh, one of my favorite companies, and I've gotten to know the CEO pretty well, um, really great guy, really driven by helping people understand what their purpose is, is by imperative, and it's I-M-P-E-R-A-T-I-V-E, imperative. So just Google imperative and purpose assessment. There's a free online assessment that will help uh, that you, that will, in the end, identify what your purpose orientation is. Um, so really a great tool. Um, and then what I would suggest is when you do these for yourself on the value side, spend the time defining what are the behaviors as they relate to those values. And then look at how can you leverage those values to, to influence your decisions um, and influence the relationships that you build or that you need to build, or you maybe need to end. Um, on the purpose side, Imperative does a really good job of helping identify a purpose statement. Um, so you, know, you wanna use your purpose oh. statement to again influence the way that you lead um, and also and help you focus on what's important in your work and important in your life. Um, and I Great. think those tools will be real helpful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing those. I wrote them down for myself. <laughs> Yeah, I think you'll I think you'll enjoy them. Okay, so I think we're down to three more practical ways to build an optimistic workplace, right? I believe that is correct. Um, okay. So magnify meaning uh, is one. Uh, the other is promote positive identity. A third is uh, oh, I'm and click totally create clarity. One. Create clarity. Thank you very much. Um, now we also want to talk about being able to find the ways and times that you can lean on your leadership. And lean on leadership is probably the second most important practice. And what I mean by lead, lean on leadership, and this is, this is really key if you wanna create an optimistic environment, you've got to understand the impact that your leadership has on people. Does it help facilitate results or does it create barrier, barrier to results? So the best way to know this, there's, there are two. There's the free version, if you will, and then there's the version that costs money. And the version that costs money is there are different tools that you, different assessments that you can take uh, around leadership impact. Human Synergistics makes a really great one. Um, you know, we use an assessment um, that's, through Strength Scope, which is a, a competitor of Strength Finders, um, so that's there's that angle. But probably the more meaningful way of knowing the impact that you have is talk with some trusted 
people and ask them, so how do I make things easier for people? You know, and then you know, I have to ask the hard question, and that is, how do I get in the way? So we've got to understand the impact your leadership has. And let me just share a, a statistic here. So both Gallup and Hay Group have identified the same percentage, the 70% of a leader's influence is on a person's ability to do their job, to perform at their best. So just as a leader, just your presence alone has the greatest impact on whether or not people have a positive work experience. So it's a really powerful and very meaningful way to know how, how are my actions, how are my words really influencing people's ability to do their work. So lean on leadership is, I think that's our fourth one, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And then the last, the last one, and this is, this one is probably the most woo-woo out of all of them. Um, so I'll try to make it more tangible. So the last one is reinforced relatedness. And reinforced relatedness is about how do you create a sense of community or a sense of belonging within an organization? And I, I break this down into what I call the equation for community. And the equation for community is collaboration plus connection equals community. How do you create a collaborative work environment, a collaborative team, you know, and then mm-hmm. how do you create a sense of connection within your team? So I'll give you an example. One of the companies that I uh, featured in the book is Hope Labs. And here's another tool for you. So Hope <laughs> Labs, if you Google check in deck, you know, like when you go into a, a, a hotel and you check in, so it's yeah. a check in check-in deck, so just Google Hope Lab, one word, check-in deck, and then you'll get a PDF file. And that PDF file is made up of a bunch of different ways that you can create connection by checking in with your team, say, prior to a meeting. Uh, One of my favorite CEOs is Peter Aceto. he is the CEO of Tangerine Bank in Canada, so a major bank in Canada. And for all of his meetings, he sets aside the first 10 minutes to connect with people. And it's not about work. It's about personal building, personal relationships. We do this at Switch and Shift. Every meeting we have, the first 10 minutes is about connection. And we keep our meetings down to 30 minutes. So that means we only have 20 minutes <laughs> of doing quote unquote business. Yeah. It makes a big difference. People feel a much stronger sense of connection when they get to talk about or listen to what's going on in their colleagues' lives. Um, so when you take collaboration and you take connection, you add those together, you start creating the the the, the those are the genesis for community. Great. Thanks for sharing all these tools. Yeah, absolutely. Go look them all up. (laughs) So, you know, this show is about how to influence change. So I want to link this to change. How does optimism help people implement change at work? Or what's the the relationship there? Yeah. So think about it this way. Because when optimism is present, 
it had employees perceive the environment to be uh, a an energizing influence on their work. And we know that change demands a lot from people, demands a lot from teams, demands a lot from an organization. So you want to be able to have an environment where people can uh, do the work that's necessary for change, whether it's you know, communicating effectively, whether it's having the patience to work with a group who might still be struggling to accept the change, um, how you work with people who resist change, um, and also making sure that you celebrate the milestones. Celebration is, is something that's much more readily practiced in an energizing, optimistic environment. When it's a the opposite, when it's, it's depleting, uh, soul-sucking, whatever adjectives you want to use, you know, there's just no energy for celebration because everybody's so mm-hmm. exhausted from all the hard work. So optimistic environments kind of breathe en- breathes energy and um, uh, uh, the sense of hope in the environment that helps people. I don't want to say people just become magically transformed and are like happy that change is happening. They have... But they have more energy to be able to 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 go the distance when it comes to change. Well, would you say that a pessimistic pessimistic workplace is the opposite of optimism? I mean, is that I mean, can we be that black and white with it? Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we can. Um, and here's the reason why: we actually need the pessimists and even the realists. In, uh, in optimistic environments because there is such a thing as having too much optimism. What I learned in my research was that if there's too much optimism, this, there are some side effects. One of them is this country club effect where everybody's walking around and it feels good to work here, but nothing's getting done. You need, you need someone, a dissenting voice, to say, you know, something's not right here. we got to talk about this. And so that's where that pessimistic, that realistic person can come into play and, and provide that yang to the yin of optimism. Okay, so optimism is not just that everything's sunshine and roses and everyone's walking around with smile, smiles on their faces every day. No. No, no. It's 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 not the Smurf singing la 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 la. It's it's uh it's skipping along. Um you might have happy faces, but you also gonna you're gonna see the people who are, you know, the the who like to play the devil's advocate. Um and you're gonna see the people who struggle to be there. Um, you know, the interesting thing, Heather, that uh came up one hundred percent of the time in these optimistic environments, what they struggle with is balancing performance and caring. And what I mean by caring is having what I call caring conversations, the difficult, difficult conversations when someone isn't performing. They struggle with it, but they do it because they know that what they've got in terms of the work climate and the work culture is so important to performance that they're not going to tolerate anything that gets in the way of 
a great culture, an optimistic climate, and and results. So they do actually, uh, as difficult as it is for them in these environments, they do have those caring conversations. Um, and one of my friends who, he's the chief leadership officer at Luck Companies, he's become a good friend of mine. Uh, one of the, the words, one of the phrases he uses with me is love you, but just not here, which is his way of saying, look, this isn't working out. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, you're a great person, but it's just not enough for us here. Um, yeah. And those are tough conversations, but they, they have to be had if you really want that strong culture, that strong climate and those results. Great. Well, Sean, thanks so much for sharing the optimistic workplace with us. And where can people learn more and how can they connect with you if they want to, to do so? Yeah. So if you want to learn more, uh, certainly the book is sold in Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, to connect with me. I'm very active on Twitter. So I'm at the Sean Murphy. Um, also connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know, you know, Hey, you heard you on the radio. Um, love to connect with new people. Uh, so those are probably the two best ways. Uh, if you want to learn more specifics around what I do, certainly email me, and that's Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at switchandshift.com. And, of course, I'm the CEO of Switch and Shift, so you can read what we're doing there as well. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you, Heather. This was fun. Great. And thank you for listening to the Influence Change at Work show. Next month, my guest will be Glory Enyanaya from Nigeria, who will share her experience about implementing change in Africa. I'm excited to hear about that. If you'd like to find more resources to help you influence change in your organization, including individual coaching, team workshops, and upcoming training events, please visit Inclaria.com. And while you're there, sign up for the monthly newsletter and receive 12 free templates from my change management toolkit, the Irresistible Change Guide. Until next time, best wishes on your change initiative. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags. Always at an ultra-low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head-to-head. So you'll be... Happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra-strong with Arm & Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags. Always at an ultra-low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head-to-head. So you'll be... Happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra-strong with Arm & Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Yeah.